So let's look at um, that passage today. It's in Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We'll camp mostly on um, verses 1 and 2 and talk about what it looks like to set our hearts and minds on the things above. In light of the holiday weekend and thinking back to our founding fathers, I would say they had a deep dependence on our God. So today, instead of thinking of our independence, I want to reflect on our dependence on God. I have often wondered about the balance in loving God and country. And to be honest, too much emphasis on patriotism in Christians sometimes confused me. Um, But I have come to appreciate more um, the value of patriotism throughout my study this week. In a podcast, um, John Piper responds to this question. Is there an appropriate place in the Christian life for patriotism? He says, yes, there is, and it is right. We are pilgrims. We are called exiles. We are refugees. We are sojourners. And he references Philippians 3, um, where first we are reminded what it looks like to be dependent on earthly things, and then of the profound truth that our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3, um, 17 to 20. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I often told you before and now tell you again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. John Piper goes on to reference C.S. Lewis' book, um, The Four Loves. In this, Lewis defines four types of love. Um, First, philos, meaning friendship. Eros, which is intimate and sexual love. Um, Agape, meaning the unconditional love of God. And the one Piper would associate with um, patriotism is storge. He says, storge is affection. It is what you feel for a pair of slippers that your wife thinks you should have thrown away a long time ago. But they fit just right. Or an old raggedy doll that a kid wants to keep, even though it's just no good for anything except that kid. Or a sweater with holes in. Or a tree where you carved your initials as a young couple. And you just love to go back to that tree. You love to watch that tree. That tree means more to you than any other tree. So there's a kind of affection for the tree. And for a city, for a fatherland, a language, a culture. Why? Because it fits you. When you leave it, get on a plane or go to another country, there can be an excitement and and challenge and stimulation, and you may even find other cultures superior to yours in some way. But when you come home, it fits like the slippers fit. It is just full of good associations like the tree where you first carved your initials. I can really appreciate that description of sorge or just fitting. 
And I'm learning that this, among so many other things, requires balance. I think we can, and in fact should, be able to hold simultaneously a respect and great appreciation, a storge kind of love for our country and its citizens, while also holding this deep, life-altering knowledge that we are first and foremost citizens, sons and daughters of an everlasting country. If we can let that knowledge and that belief lead us to humble dependence on the life and death of Christ, we will have great influence in our day, today lives um, as we interact with others. But this is not our instinct. Adam and Eve, after they had eaten the fruit, did not want to walk with their creator. They hid. In our culture, there is a lot of hiding, hiding behind masks of earthly things like wealth or careers, even the facade of a perfect home and family. The truth is we don't like vulnerability. We are taught to be independent and often closed off. Kind of a mentality of deal with your own stuff on your own. Because we don't like vulnerability or, or asking for help, I know personally I struggle asking for help. But it's really a pride thing, isn't it? I don't want to be vulnerable for you to see my weaknesses. No, I'd rather keep you thinking that I've got it all together. But what if instead we set our sights on the things above and responded more with an eternal kingdom perspective where relationships matter more than the appearance of things or being right or getting our way or having money or the perfect house or car? What if we made room for each other in our relationships to be vulnerable? What if we actually encouraged one another to bring our doubts and struggles and questions, weaknesses and mistakes into light, to the foot of the cross? I can say with a fair amount of certainty that that would strip away any power that those masks have over us. Those things that we run to to hide or escape would lose their power. And I'm willing to bet we would experience a great spiritual freedom and rich relationships with each other and our Heavenly Father. John Calvin talks about this kind of vulnerability, a complete life of dependence. He says, Until men recognize they owe everything to God, that they are nourished by his fatherly care, that he is the author of their every good, that they should seek nothing beyond him, they will never yield him willing service. Nay, unless they establish their complete happiness in him, they will never give themselves truly and sincerely to him. If we need to be reminded we're not alone in this life of dependence, we can just look at what's been called the um, Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, starting in verse 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we have hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. The message puts it this way. The, fundam the fundamental fact of existence in that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. And I think that word of faith here could be interchanged with phrases um, like investing in, in kingdom things, depending on God, relying on his trustworthiness, which is ultimately what I believe it looks like to set our sights on the things above. 
The rest of Hebrews gives several examples of kingdom living um, with assurance in and dependence on God. Um, chapter, um, verse 3, I'm sorry. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. So what we are willing to sacrifice tells a lot about our faith or dependence on God. In verse 7, By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. So our obedience to God's call on our lives, as well as our interaction with the world, also speaks volumes about where our dependence lies. And I love this next example of Abraham um, in verse 8. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, major dependence on God here, he lived in the country promised him as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real, eternal foundations, the city designed and built by God. I think this is what Paul is talking about in Colossians, keeping focused on eternal and heavenly kingdom things and depending on the ways and promises of our king. Um, A modern-day example of this kind of living and attitude can be found in um, Katie Davis, and we're going to um, watch a video of her. You might have heard of her book, um, Kisses from Katie, and I've been inspired by her story, um, so I thought I would share. She, I think, embodies dependence on our Heavenly Father and seeks the things above um, by obeying His commands very literally. Um, She... You'll hear her story, but she, at a a young age in high school, left her family and home in America and went to um, Uganda, and her heart was just captured. Um, So we're going to to watch a little bit of her story. to ask you to come with me on a journey. A journey that started three years ago when I thought I knew what my life would look like and I had no idea. A journey that has shown me more about the Father's heart and his extravagant compassion than I could have ever imagined. A journey that requires me to give more of myself every single day. It's a journey that took me from a 10-month commitment to teach kindergarten in Uganda to a lifetime commitment of bettering and serving this country. I'm Katie Davis. I'm 21 years old, and I live here in Uganda. I run Amazima Ministries, and my full-time occupation is that I'm a mom to 14 little girls. I'm 
from an early age, people would always ask me, you know, you'd have like career day, what do you want to be when you grow up type thing. And I had always said I wanted to be Mother Teresa just because I, I guess I just loved her heart for children. It is my 16th birthday and I'm eating sushi at my favorite restaurant when I tell my parents that I'd like to explore the possibility of doing mission work out of high school. I graduate high school having made a commitment to teach at a preschool for a year in the middle of nowhere, Uganda. My parents were so not on board, but you know, it came to a point where it was like, okay, God said you choose me or you choose to please your dad. And uh, what is, what's it going to be? And I said, all right, I'm going back. It is January and I'm looking at a little girl crushed under a brick wall with no one to take care of her and her siblings. I offer to take them home with me until we find a better solution. I'm not really sure what to do with them, but I know that they are God's children. They stay. It is three days later, and the littlest one looks up and she calls me mommy. My heart breaks in two. I have no idea what to do, but something clicks. I'm even more scared than the day that I stepped on that plane, but I know that this is right. Today I have 14. I get a lot of that, like, do you really feel that they're your children? Do you really feel like it's a family? And I say, you come on over for dinner and tell me, because um, it is. It is our family. People say to me all the time, like, wow, you are so lucky that you found what God wants you to do with your life. And I kind of look at those people and think, like, well, I didn't. I didn't find it. It was just it was just in the Bible. And so as someone who calls themselves a Christian, I mean it's very apparent that you are to love the Lord with all your heart and then you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And like myself doesn't want to be starving. And so I don't want other people in the world to be starving. Jesus does not ask that we care for the less fortunate. He demands it. When calling ourselves Christ followers, caring for orphans and the desolate and the widow are not an option. It's a requirement. I would like to invite you to come with me on this journey that is so far from over and see what God will do next. So Katie definitely has a firm foundation and dependence on God for her and her daughter's most basic needs. Um, and it is different for us who generally have most of our essential needs met. Uh, we can so easily get caught up in our temporary world with our schedules and um, sense of control that we forget to keep things um, in an eternal perspective, remembering what is really important and seeking the things above. There's no, no denying um, we were created for more. Um, C.S. Lewis, in another book of his, Mere Christianity, explains this and relates it um, back to patriotism as well. He writes, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to suggest the real thing. 
If that is so, I must take care, on the one hand, never to despise or to be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, to never mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and to help others to do the same. And in closing, I would like to share um, a great analogy from Anne Voskamp. Um, I regularly read her blog, and she's also um, a mother who homeschools and is a wife to a farmer. They live in and um, recently, they live in Canada, and they recently traveled to um, the United States. And she reflects on her experience, um, which I just found as a great analogy of what it means to, to be a citizen. She writes, in Christ, you're a native of heaven right now. You aren't a citizen of here trying to work into heaven. You're a citizen of heaven trying to work through here. In Christ, no matter the road, the storm, the story, we always know the outcome. Our Savior surrounds. Our future, secure. Our joy, certain. And this quote reminds me of uh, one of my favorite songs that um, we'll close with, um, In Christ Alone. Um, I wanted to share just the first verse and let you just soak it in. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled and strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand.